When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right. Welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that knows it's better to have Randy Quaid's career and be remembered forever than have Dennis Quaid's and be forgotten immediately. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you flame-broiled whopper of a man. How you holding up there, brother? How you feeling? I'm okay. I'm currently battling the Delta variant, but... I'm persisting and battling on and ready to have some Michigan football to really bring me back to life this weekend. It's going to take more than that to kill you. I mean, the amount of toxins that you've put into your body, I have to imagine they'll form some sort of shield against any type of virus. COVID entered and saw just the residue of PBR and Marlboros and was like, I can't, I can't operate in this here. I can't live here. I can't get survive out. here. I got to get out of this. So yeah, it's, it's leaving my body as I ingest some PBR for the podcast. Good man. I'm over here drinking red wine like a civilized man. That's well over the age of 30, but it's mostly just because that's all I had in the house. But anyways, (laughs) glad you're holding up over there, brother. Uh, The bye week, good time. We were both kind of down and out for the bye week. Not the most exciting weekend of football last week, but there were still some interesting tidbits. Um, I think if you want to start here, the biggest piece of information that came out biggest news story was the firing of Ed Ogeron or the fact that he'll be stepping down at the end of this season, which uh, you and I were both big Coach O guys. does sound like there's some news coming out about uh, maybe some things that happened off the field. But what were your thoughts about that initially? Uh, Initially, I was shocked. Always been a Coach O defender. I read his autobiography, really respected his rise from defensive line coach at Miami, the way he operated from like a managerial role and empowering his coordinators and assistants. I thought it was premature. But with all the personal news coming out, it seems like he's really battling some demons and they've started to overwhelm him. So they're going to separate at the end of the season, mutually part ways, as it were. He's still going to get paid on the way out and hopefully he can rectify the battles he's going through and get back to coaching. Hope so, too. I don't know that this is the type of dude that's going to be a head coach somewhere else. I mean, he loved LSU. This was the dream job for him. I could maybe see him um, switching back to a defensive line coach or something, or maybe even coming back to LSU in a different capacity like that. So, yeah, I was going to you know, make some jokes about how dumb it is to move off of a coach after two years, because in the SEC, you've seen this. Uh, there are five coaches not named Nick Saban to play in the SEC, or excuse me, in the national championship. And four of them have been fired now. The only one still remaining is Kirby Smart, and that's since 2010. So, so much what have you done for me lately, especially in the SEC. And just, you know, that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. So, Yeah, the biggest thing that threw you and I off was last year, he lost like 90% of the production of his team, his entire coaching staff dealt with the COVID restrictions and then put out a 500 football team. And now this year they're 500 as well. Rebuilding got the win over Florida for in back-to-back years. And we're like, now you're parting ways. But from what we've, what's been reported, we see there's some other things going on inside the program. 
Yeah, and uh, I mean, not gonna. I'm not gonna be the one to report that. You can look it up to see exactly what's going on with with Ogeron there. But it was very surprising. But part of the reason I wanted to bring this up now, <clears throat> there are three uh, Power Five jobs open: USC, LSU, and now Washington State. And I looked at the the FanDuel odds as the betting favorites for these jobs. The betting favorite to take over USC is James Franklin. The betting favorite to take over at LSU is Mel Tucker. So that's why it kind of became a Michigan news there. I don't necessarily know that either of those guys want to go anywhere or that they'd be interested in either job. I have no news to such, but I did find it interesting. And Vegas usually knows things we don't. It seems that Franklin, the USC is long, long than the word. Urban Meyer reluctantly won a football game in the NFL this past weekend, so maybe he's out of the running now. But the uh, it seems like Franklin to USC is kind of inevitable. Mel Tucker news is interesting because hot start right now, probably the favorite to win Coach of the Year nationally. But honestly, I would love to have a, the spicy conversation next week about the winner of Michigan-Michigan State. Is the coach of the winning team the favorite to win Coach of the Year after that weekend? It's going to be so hard for Jim Harbaugh to work his way into that conversation just because he's the most talked about coach in America. You and I will obviously start pushing for that if he gets to 8-0 after being on the hot seat to start. I mean, that has to be worth something. Uh, Mel Tucker, you're absolutely right. His name will never be hotter. The end of their schedule is brutal, you know, so this would be the time if you wanted to do that. But at some point, if you're just leaving these jobs after one year and two years, and I mean, I'm a Colorado, I'm a CU alum, and he left the the Buffaloes high and dry, and they still haven't recovered. Like, that program's in rough shape. So if he did that again, like, are you really going to be able to recruit kids to come play for you for four years if you're just looking for that next gig? It's it's an interesting pattern he seems to be developing there, and we're going to see how it plays out. Like I said, right now, his, his name will never be hotter than it is heading into the Michigan game because, like you said, the back half of his schedule, four of those five games are Michigan – Penn State, Ohio State, and Purdue. And Purdue now is no longer a pushover. Ranked. Yeah, four and two ranked Purdue. Those crazy SOBs at, uh, at the AP did it and ranked Purdue, which is like the first time since we were children. Yeah, it's like, it's like yeah, since early 2000s. So Jeff Brom has that team humming along, running a three-quarterback system there. So it's going to be interesting to see how those odds change and shift throughout the season. And if Mel Tucker is again going to go back on his word and leave, I have... I'm kind of indifferent to whether he leaves or stays. I don't have an opinion on him yet. So, Yeah, I'm not one of these people that's like begging for him to go to destabilize that program. I think we could beat him outright even if he sticks around. That's not that's not something that I'm putting like all my eggs into that basket. Um, but if he goes, great. I would like, I mean, the, the destabilization of the program is great for us. But there's some other guys, you know, like Louisiana's Billy Napier, who's right there in state, probably would be a better recruiting answer for it so it's not just the runaway guy it's just the the word out of the lsu camp is they'd like a program stabilizer like mel tucker um but i think he's more of a program destabilizer in the last five years it's very funny to put it all together because it just sounds like an oxymoron luke fickle seems more of the program stabilizer if you want to bring him in with right. what he's done at cincinnati so no that's it's interesting to watch a lot of things in flux right now and it's going to shake up the college football world and I would like to wager that the Nebraska job's also going to be available by the end of the season. Yeah, after losing to Minnesota, that may be it because they were showing improvement against Michigan, but it's going to be real hard for Scott Frost to keep his job just if you miss a bowl game and you're like, well, we improved to five wins. 
Like that is, that is not what you got paid that payday to, to bring to Nebraska. And six wins was very achievable this year. Like Illinois and Minnesota were very winnable games. Yeah, t- Heck, I mean, you could have beat us or Michigan State if you had it in you. Exactly. They have five law. Lo- all five of their losses are eight points or less. They lead the country in that statistic. So, you know, I mean, <laughs> counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but not on the football field, Scott. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I'm not sorry. I don't really care about him. Listening to the Jansen pod, it's hilarious. He hates Scott Frost in Nebraska. I, oh, I love it. Just inject it all into me because of everything from 97, man, the way Frost acted when they won the coaches poll and everything and how, oh, we're the best. And Jansen, we'll play right now. I'll call up Woodson. We'll go. Like, let's do it. So, yeah, no, yeah. no love lost between Michigan fans and Scott Frost. The uh, the other two I want to touch on, you mentioned one, Luke Fickle. My question about him is how long do you stick around at Cincinnati before taking one of these other big jobs? I mean, what left do you have to prove? And then uh, the other guy, Matt Campbell, who was the prohibitive favorite to be the new Michigan coach as of last year and now finds himself unranked and just not nearly the hot commodity that he was. Does he take a different job this year, do you think? I think Matt Campbell stays if I were to to wager it. I think Fickle, now's the time to go. This is this is your magical season. We'll see how it finishes out for him. And you can't get any – I don't know what other highs you can reach at Cincinnati. Like, what more do you need? You're ranked number two in the country. You have all the momentum. You're in the driver's seat to make the playoff. So now's your chance to get one of those jobs you want to move up. And I can't imagine Cincinnati's his end-all be. I think he wants to be the Ohio State head coach again. Because yeah. after he had the interim title there for a while, but come on, you can't just sit here on sit on your hands. You'd be waiting a long time, man. Yeah. Ryan Day is like thirty eight or something. Annoying. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that used car salesman's not going anywhere besides Columbus for several years. That's snake in the grass. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of see it the same way. I think Matt Campbell may stick around one more year. But at the same time, I mean, his name will still be a hot commodity, even though it's been a bit of a down season. Uh, his resume is strong. Um, I don't want him as the Michigan coach anymore. As I openly and vocally vocally said after last year, I, uh, I'm i going to just go ahead and apologize right here and now on this podcast to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I respect, dude. Same for me. Like you and I were both down and out and we've, we were talking about this with the Ed Orgeron situation uh, through text over the weekend about there's something to be said now about just kind of riding out with your guys, not always wanting that instant gratification. Granted, we never saw this level of turnaround coming from Harbaugh on this team. But they knew something we didn't. They took the steps, made the change. And what's Harbaugh's base pay this year? Like two cents? Like he's making a couple bucks and some Cokes? Yeah. Uh, his base pay will be about guaranteed $4.1 million this year when uh, I'm pretty sure that Jimbo Fisher's making nine. So you're getting him at half the cost and he has a better record than Jimbo Fisher. Granted, Jimbo just beat Alabama. But, I mean, well, let's see what shakes out in the second half of this thing. Yeah, a lot to be said because, you know, I said if he beats Michigan State, then you and I are just all hands off deck. We're 8 0. Give him, just give him whatever you want. Give him the car. Give him Ann Arbor. Hell, uh, give him Dundee while you're at it. It's just down the road. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just sitting there. It's just sitting there. Give him that. Do whatever you need to do. But uh, you and I, have, we were the longest pro hardball guys. We got off the train last year, but he's been winning us back week by week. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you're you're not a grown man. You're not an adult if you can't admit when you're wrong. So we've had to do it a lot, and uh, especially since everything that we said is historical record and can be searched and sent to us. You kind of have to own up for it when you're wrong. We've had some bad takes. <laughs> yeah, 
one or two, but we've had some great takes. We have. We have John, yeah. we, we spoke John Runyon into a draft commodity. Yeah, <laughs> which we're going to start here uh, when we get to the Michigan football in the second half of this pod. Um, all right, before we move on to the next topic, got to take a moment, talk about our people over at Homefield Apparel. Out of Indianapolis, my favorite sportswear brand. I'm not just saying it, I'm wearing it as we speak. You're probably a Michigan fan. I assume you're a Michigan fan. If you're not, reassess your life, look inward, and look to Home Field Apparel for all of your college football needs. Old school, new school, they got you covered, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, uh, a couple other notes, really just one other note from last week, um, and then kind of a look at the top 25. Uh, Joe Milton remains not a quarterback. He needs to move <laughs> to tight end. And uh, Lane Kiffin, uh, they definitely do hold a grudge there in Tennessee against our boy Lane. Who, who was the former Michigan coach that's down there and said they have a real crowd here, not the tennis crowd? Oh. Um, Brian Jean Mary. Uh, it's either Brian G. Mary, uh, Partridge. I forget because we got pilfered by Tennessee and Ole Miss, and pretty much every old coach we have is on one of those two teams. I think it's Gene Mary, and he said, no, they have a real crowd. Oh, yeah, he was there for one year, and it was the COVID year. Yeah. That's right. He's like, oh, they have a real crowd here. And it's like, oh, clearly they do have a real crowd, and they will chuck mustard bottles and golf balls at you. Yeah, real crowd of dickheads. <laughs> Exactly. And then back to our boy Joe Milton, who finally gets the chance to be himself and get out of here and do this. And he runs out of bounds as time expires. I mean, that was rough. You and I pretty much came to the conclusion. I mean, we were big Joe Milton guys. Speaking of takes we were wrong on last year, it became pretty clear that he didn't have what it takes to be a starting quarterback last year. He has not improved this year with decision making touch on the ball, getting through his reads, feel for the game, clock management. There is more to being a quarterback than being really tall, really big with a cannon for an arm, as uh, Joe Milton is now the poster boy for. He left the pocket for no reason on that play with a rush of three coming at him and no one near him. He just started running. Yeah, I mean, it, that says to me that was a guy that was planning to run the whole time, but he was on like the 28th or something like he had a long way to go yeah it, it just, he runs out of bounds and the game's over and they just lane just escapes and it was weird man it's a very very steep fall from grace from where he was this time last year and it just makes you realize like with Cade McNamara and you know I don't want to get on another rant about him I don't want to go on a rant here <laughs> but, <laughs> but like how rough must it have been last year with Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton like that is that is a rough quarterback room, and we it was very highly recruited on paper. It looked amazing, but now you're looking at them on other teams, and they still still do not look like quarterbacks that can play at the collegiate level. Yeah, McCaff I haven't seen McCaffrey's numbers this year, but I, I, the only Michigan player I know that's doing any kind of anything that left is Zach Charbonnet, and he left for good reasons. Yeah, um, I mean, there's still Oliver Martin out there doing things. Brandon Peters got beat out. Uh, Kakoa Crawford, who was recruited in the same class as Rashawn Gary, <laughs> is still playing out at Cal. Um, you definitely see guys show up. I mean, there's been a lot of transfers out <laughs> they're, of Michigan. They're playing, okay? <laughs> they're, they, hey, they are. I'm pretty sure uh, Kareem Walker is the the strangest one that I saw the other day. Kareem Walker is still playing for like a third or fourth team. Where is he? Where is he playing? Like southeastern Louisiana cut. Tech? No, no, no. That's too mainstream. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's like a school for dentistry or something. It's rough. <laughs> Kareem Walker. That was one of the b biggest Big running way. back misses since Derek Green. Remember Derek Green? 
Oh, I remember them both. Those were both misses. And then to hit on both, uh, on I think we're going to hit on Edwards, but to hit on Corum, and then I, I believe Edwards as well, and then to get Haskins as a linebacker, like our our fortunes have shifted. Yeah, they've shifted in the running back room. I mean, they shifted before even with Jim's, like True Wilson was serviceable. Karan Higdon came out of nowhere. It was like, okay, we're starting to pick up from places that we didn't even expect here. Yeah, it made Davion Horse look like a mule. Like that dude was, that dude was tough to bring down. Dave, yeah, Davion was a fun back to go revisit in 2016. There's like, he's just like the baseline running back. Like he is just a yes. steady baseline. He's not, he's not great, but he's not bad. Does everything well. He's just right at the yeah. baseline. Yeah, absolutely. Like he'd be ranked 50 across the board, but then like 78 strength. <laughs> <laughs> that run against BYU, I believe, in 15 still makes yeah. no sense. No. I mean, I'm pretty sure that someone divided by zero at that run, but it, it was bizarre. Um, anything else from last week um, as far as the top five? Cincinnati remains at two, which you uh, mentioned. Georgia, obviously, at one. Uh, Oklahoma, the switch to Caleb Williams. That looks like that's going to make them a much different team. So, unfortunately... I do think Oklahoma, if someone was going to beat them, that probably should have happened in those first couple games. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, though. That could happen twice this year. That's true. And then Oklahoma State's in the driver's seat, which would be wild. So, because those two teams, because in the Big 12, there's no division. So, best two teams in the title game. So, one loss of them. They could both go and play. I think it's back-to-back weeks. I think they play the final week of the season. That'd be wild. I mean, at this point, it's on track to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll see. Somebody could get them along the way. Uh, Alabama to number four at six and one. Ohio, here, and here's where it gets interesting. Ohio State at five, Michigan at six, Penn State at seven. So no Big Ten teams in the top four as it stands, but three of them just lurking right there. Iowa didn't fall too far either. I think Iowa fell to 11. Yeah, 11. And then Michigan State, obviously, at nine. So just a lot of Big Ten teams kind of lurking outside of there. I don't think that this current ranking means much i mean it definitely doesn't mean much a big 10 team will still likely work its way in there but it's just interesting how they view you know alabama and ohio state probably 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 because of like previous wins and previous seasons which is kind of lame you know it's but true if michigan gets to if michigan gets to seven and oh eight no expect them to leap some of those one loss teams i think so as well and yeah that's the reason cincinnati's number two they were preseason number nine i believe and if they'd been not preseason ranked or in the 20s they'd only be sitting at like 15 right now right so yeah you know, no. the past performance oh. it does play a factor in this it'll be interesting when the first college football playoff committee poll comes out right absolutely which comes out usually i mean it's Week nine or ten, right? Uh, let me pull it up. Yeah, pull it up there. So, I mean, we still got some time, but it's not necessarily too early to start looking ahead because, I mean, it's Northwestern Michigan State, and then you're looking at potentially eight and zero, and it, things are getting serious there. First playoff poll is November second, so we get it three days after Michigan Michigan State. <sighs> Can't look ahead, not in this podcast, not on the field, but man, next week's pod is going to be a blast. I cannot wait. We're going to do like some sort of special rivalry week special. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm going to record with my shirt off. <laughs> it's like three hours. I'm going to record with my pants off, <laughs> just the hat on. Yeah, that's, that's the plan. I'm going to drink a 12 pack of PBR each. <laughs> I mean, this is what we normally do. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, all right. Before we go to break and switch over, Michigan is Michigan basketball. The, the rankings came out. We are preseason ranked number six 
That is going to start on November 10th. We have got Buffalo in the opening game. Uh, the highest-ranked Big Ten team with Purdue right behind us. Give me th- the three things with this team you're most excited to see. It could be a player. It could be a combination of players. It could be some lineup. It could be a game that you're interested in. Anything. Go anywhere with it. I want to see Hunter Dickinson, if he's expanded his game, especially with the right hand and his range. I want to see if uh, Brandon Johns continues the ascension that he took in the NCAA tournament. And I want to see the talented freshman. That's just off the bat, just all internal stuff. Those three things really stand. I know Eli Brooks is going to be Eli Brooks, and that's going to cook. Like He's going to shoot like 45% from three. But those are the three things I really want to see, and I think they can carry over. If they carry over, then this team has a nas- real, real national title hopes. And you and I talked about Brandon Johns before. If he continues where he was, he's all Big Ten. Like He was incredible in the tournament. Yes, he was. Um, okay, so my first one, I'll start playing off of that. I want to see the mega-sized lineups that Michigan can roll out with this uh, roster, as well as the small ball lineups. Because there is a world where you roll out Hunter Dickinson, Brandon Johns, and then you let Diabate, who I believe, I mean, he's got like crazy, crazy speed for a guy that long. You could probably have him covering threes. And you could roll him out there, and then you play probably some combination of Eli Brooks and uh, Devonte Jones, and that is like a supersized defensive lineup. And then conversely, going small ball, where you go Devonte Jones, Eli Brooks, um, one of the other guards, whether it be Zeb Jackson or Buffkin or Frankie Collins, whoever steps up there, Caleb Houston, and then maybe Diabate or Johns at the five. So I think there's a lot of like cool, interesting lineups you can do. I like that. Um, I want to see Devontae Jones and Hunter Dickinson pick and rolls. Nice. Um, yeah. There's been, yeah, there's been some talk that um, they really have good chemistry there. And with Dickinson, I think, ready to just blow through the roof. I think that could be awesome. And then I want to see Michigan versus Illinois. The, the smack talk, uh, Hunter Dickinson does not like those dudes. I want to beat them is three times this year. If we could beat them three times, that'd be a lovely year. Didn't uh, Who's their big man? He entered the uh, uh, Illinois big man. What was his name? It's Cockburn, but they they try to tell me it's co- like Coburn or something. No, Kofi yeah, Cockburn. Yeah, Kofi Cockburn, who played last year, entered the transfer portal, and then withdrew from the transfer portal. And he's like, no, no never mind. I, I actually do want to be here. <laughs> I don't want to go play at Coastal Carolina or the Citadel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very excited for that. The Illinois... Uh, trying to like manufacture a rivalry here is just very silly to me. It's just kind of goofy. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like congratulations on having success the first time in 10 years and then getting upset in the tournament. Yeah. And like they are, they're being like serious little brother energy in football with this. Like that meant so much more to win the big 10 tournament. I'm like, dude, we've won that several times in the last couple of years. That's like, that's small potatoes to Michigan at this point. It is the NCAA tournament. Well, it's like, That's what we're at. Well, what's his name? Aso, their best player last year, took Ayo Yeah, took the picture with the trophy like he was Kobe Bryant. I'm like, this is such, such like little brother energy. Like it is Yeah, that's the Big Ten tournament <laughs> champion. Not not even the Big Ten champion. It was bad, man. So it's a, a lot of bad looks from them. And then you get the Michigan State players holding up the F Jim Harbaugh sign. Like all misspelled. It, it misspelled. Like it's it, there's a G in there, homie. It's not, <laughs> not a parenthetical. The, <laughs> the G is silent, just like Jim. Jim. So that's silly. But yeah, this is just little brother stuff. Like it is all little brother, just weird, weird energy, man. So yeah, I'm really, I'm excited. The basketball season's getting underway. My, it's about 
20% of my focus right now with football, like right in the heat of it all. But still, like this team at least deserves 20% in October. Oh, yeah. yeah. Once it gets going, I mean, we're going to be we're going to really ramp up that care. I'm going to somehow have to split it 50 50. I don't know what I guess I'll just won't have any other life other than sports in late November. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I'm here for it. What else is going on? <laughs> no, nothing else really matters anymore. Nothing. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we got a lot more. We're uh, going to talk, uh, obviously, Northwestern. Want to talk some pro blue and, yeah, a couple, uh, couple superlatives for you. So we'll be back right after this. Okay. Welcome back. In the second half of this thing, we've got Northwestern to cover, but you know, should be pushovers. I think we can probably touch on a few other things here. Wanted to take a moment to talk recruiting if you're up for it. Let's do it. So just landed three-star Damani Dent out of Florida. He's a safety prospect. Good-looking film. Um, but Michigan currently in 247 is ranked 16th right there with Michigan State. And at this point in the season, things are getting things are getting a bit down to it. I mean, there's definitely going to be flips as this thing goes on. But are you in any way concerned that the number six team in the country is recruiting in the in the lower teens at this point and recently suffered a decommitment from their second highest rated defensive recruit? Concern levels probably a six because with the COVID year, a lot of eligibility remains for tons of players on this roster. So there's not as much movement as there as there normally is in a normal situation at the university. So I'm not overly concerned. I would like to see that number at least get up into the 12th with the value. You don't need the abundance of recruits, but if we could get in the top 12, top 10, preferably I'd feel good. But again, a lot of this Michigan team is coming back next year. So I don't need a huge class, but I would like to see them kind of top out some of the value there. There was the stat that came out a couple years ago. I forget who did it, probably PFF, or maybe it was uh, 247. But you essentially need to average in the um, college football playoff era around the seventh or above ranked recruiting class with most of your starters in order to have a chance at the college football playoff. So with our past successes, we don't necessarily need to have a top five recruiting class, but you need to keep it around that 10 in order to keep that threshold. Uh, as of right now, Steve Klink scale is our highest rated recruiter at 16. And that's almost exclusively because he landed Will Johnson, our only five star, uh, the Michigan recruit uh, who looks awesome by the way. But um, so I don't know if it's maybe we lost. I mean, we had some really great recruiters in Brian, Gene, Mary, and Partridge that have moved on. Even uh, Greg Madison was a really good recruiter. So I agree with you that I'm not necessarily panicked yet, uh, but I'd like to see those numbers tick up for sure. Um, and, you know, a couple big, big games coming up here. I'm hoping there's the opportunity to win some guys over. Again, though, with the, some of the three stars Michigan has committed, if you look at their film, they're going to be bumped up to four stars. Like sure. there's a lot of talent the players Michigan has right now. So if you just adjust those ratings, it probably jumps them up to 11th. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, have you gotten a chance to watch any film on any of the recruits yet? Anybody you want to talk on specifically? Nothing too much besides Will Johnson. I watch any Will Johnson I can get my hands on, but besides that, I've just been re-watching like 1985 Michigan-Michigan State games this week while with COVID. So. Uh, understandable. I've been checking some. I'm making my way through. I've only got through about four guys now, uh, but we have an athlete, 6'2", 200 pounds. His name's Deuce Spurlock. Obviously worth a mention because his name is Deuce Spurlock. <laughs> it's like with this class, too, you land like uh, a... You, 
Dude, great name. I can't get over Tremendous that. Name. But, it, but you land Domani Jackson, you get the flip from USC. That immediately changes the complexion of this class. And there's a, we're 50-50 split with Washington for a five-star tackle. Um, and that would those two alone would take you up into the top 10, and all those concerns are alleviated. And then a big year this year can really, really push you into a big recruiting year next year. So, And like you said, uh, all the eligibility, the transfer portal, which I'm going to harp on endlessly this offseason, is a place that you can fill needs like basically free agency now. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's not as big of a deal as it has been in past years. But you look at those Ohio State and Penn State recruiting rankings, and it's tough not to be like, why, why not? Why not us? It gets a little jealous, but there's still a lot to be said about when you see a team like Clemson with all the talent in the world True. for the last five years loaded up, and they can they can barely manufacture a touchdown. <laughs> They're dogs against Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh, who lost to Western Michigan. Who we you. beat? Who we beat? Who we smacked? So uh, through the transitive property, recruiting rankings do not matter because we're way better than Clemson this year. But you don't even exactly. need the transitive property. I test can tell you we're better than Clemson this year. Do you have eyes and a kind of a pulse? Yeah, we're better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm with you there. Um, all right, that's good for recruiting. Uh, don't need to touch on it too much. Uh, this week, Harbaugh gave some updates on injuries. He said that they are hopeful they can get everyone back. Um, I'm interested to see, though. So we know the Roman Wilson. We know the offensive guards are bagged up. Uh, we had a, a, a listener on Twitter reach out and ask us to speculate wildly on what happened to Jordan Whitley. The, uh, the nose tackle who apparently went to Vegas in his bye week and posted a photo from the emergency room. So generally in this day and age, you assume COVID, but then you hear bye week in, in Vegas and my mind runs amok. Is, where is, where is Jordan Whitley from originally? Let's get the bio here. Yeah, you go ahead and, and give me the bio on that. So if I'm going to speculate wildly, I'm going to say not COVID related. I'm going to say uh, alcohol induced strip related injuries, which are up 38%. <laughs> he's from Richmond, California. Oh. That's where uh, Coach Carter was, wasn't it? I think so. Oh, deep, oh, cut. deep cut. <laughs> Richmond to Vegas. Let's see the trip. Didn't know we're going to put this guy to effort in. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're really getting to the bottom of this. You're map questing this? I'm map quest. I want to see what what, what what went through the mind of Jordan Whitley. <laughs> I don't know anything about Jordan Whitley. This is the most we've talked about him all year. I mean, other than the fact that he's like, 35 years old and weighs more than you, me, and a sofa combined. <laughs> it's an uh, it's a nine hour haul, but I mean he can do that flight in like an hour. So yeah, very very good chance he went home, saw the family, maybe decided to get out for an excursion again. Jordan Whitley is 35 and he's got a mortgage and five kids. Like yeah. he's a grown man. Yeah, I mean, so we're we're saying the number one seed is uh, alcohol stripper related injury. Uh, number two seed. Um, Maybe he was counting cards a la the movie 21 um, yes, with that's... Kevin Spacey and was beaten by a Lawrence Fishburne-esque character in a back room. Good possibility there. You know, the casino, like you get your hands smacked with a hammer. Yep. So uh, might yep. see a lot of left-handed pass rushing moves this weekend. So watch out yep. for that. Maybe if he has the hand taped up a little extra. Um... <laughs> and uh, third seed is, uh, this is probably just like he, he tripped and maybe sprained an ankle. Yeah. <laughs> Something completely normal. Jordan Whitley is like six feet, like 350 pounds. Like this is a massive human being. It is a massive human being. But uh, on to things that will matter for Northwestern. Of those injured players against Nebraska, who is more important to this uh, Northwestern game 
or take that as who do you do we not necessarily need and you would like to see maybe rest up to make sure they're good for Michigan State? Roman Wilson running away like this is we need Roman Wilson for Michigan State who has an atrocious pass defense. Don't anticipate a lot of balls being thrown against Northwestern and just don't need to rush him out there for this one. Let the guards get back in there. But Roman Wilson, if the wrist needs one more week to get fully healthy, we will need him against Michigan State, but we don't need him for this game. No, we can win without an electric passing game in this. Uh, You'll need to move the ball a little bit through the air to keep anyone honest. And uh, that leads me no better time for this question as we're getting into Northwestern. I'll just open with it. Which would you prefer to see against Northwestern? Would you prefer to see the passing game um, really kind of be the dominant focus of the offense just to see them get into a better rhythm moving forward? Or would you rather see them pound the rock to keep both of our running backs on pace to be over a thousand yards and have one of the best rushing offenses in Michigan history? I'm a big established the run guy in all capacities of life. Say less. And I think it starts there. Uh, Northwestern is 42nd in pass defense, 118 in rush defense. I think the pass defense or the pass offense for Michigan can open up through the strength of the run, which could carry over the next week. But it's really hard for me to just see the running attack opening up based from the pass. Like it just doesn't go both ways that like that. So I want to see him pound the rock, let both backs get touches, get down the touches with Tavier Dunlap and Donathan Edwards pound the ball and then you can open up the play action off that let McCarthy get some spin but this is how we win games we win games by running the football you got to keep that physicality in check especially coming off the bye week sure and uh, Northwestern's coming off their best win of the year against Rutgers a Rutgers team that really looks to have fallen off a cliff but nonetheless their best performance so they're they're feeling more confident coming into this game you and I are both big Pat Fitzgerald guys we have a ton of respect for that man and uh, what he does as a coach for that team. So uh, I I believe that he will have them prepared. I'm going to zag. I I was going to wait and see what you said. I'm going to zag on that um, because one reason A is I want to keep those backs healthy because I agree with you. That is how we win games. I think we can win this game in a lot of different ways, and I think the more important thing moving forward is that we have a a passing game that has cohesion, and after losing Ronnie Bell, this is still playing catch-up. You started to see a little bit of it with Baldwin. You're starting to see a little bit more of it with the tight ends. But I want to see that rapport established a little more. And I think you could have a balanced attack as much of a cop-out answer as that is. I think a balanced attack here probably serves this team the best moving forward. But I want it all. I want both of these running backs to go over 100, too, and stay on pace for 1,000. So, so, yeah. So you kind of want to see like Northern Illinois, where you get the big running attack from all the backs, but you also get 87-yard touchdowns to CJ. Yeah, I mean, it's a dumb, lame answer, and I apologize for copping out of my own question. But I think for this (laughs) game, like, you're going to need a balanced attack for Michigan State for sure. You're going to need that for Penn State and uh, for Ohio State. I don't know. Well, we'll get there. My my heart and soul isn't ready for that discussion yet. So I I just I think that's what we need the most. So that's why I'm leaning that way is like I I need to see him establish a good rapport with somebody. And uh, I don't care who it is. Now, well, this Michigan team has one thing that a lot of teams have struggled with, and that's the ability to win in multiple ways. We can run the ball, show the ability to throw the ball. We can stop the flood in the second half of games. We can win with defense. So they'll find a way. So, yeah, it would be nice really coming out of this bye week to see everything just up to tune, sharp and running coming off the bye, you know, getting everybody back in sync. 
Right. Absolutely. Um, Got to stop saying absolutely. I'm terrible at that. <laughs> the North- I mean, I, I understand. I want to agree with me too. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're the opposite of the mismatch. We're just the match. We agree with everything. Or <laughs> each other with everything. So uh, Northwestern last week was playing Ryan Halinski at quarterback. They've played three quarterbacks this season. Started with Hunter Johnson, the transfer. He got benched um, after some mediocre results was turning the ball over. But Halinski, as of now, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions, his best game last week against Rutgers. Um, I, I watched him, and it, it's tough to take away much from that game. It was a really, really rough watch. Rutgers looked really, really out of sync. Um, they're probably going to want to lean on their run game. I mean, obviously, they're going to want to lean on their run game. It's a Pat Fitzgerald team. But I, I didn't see much out of the quarterback. What have you seen from their quarterbacks, if anything, this year? Not a lot of consistency. Helensky definitely seems like the guy. Hunter Johnson struggled last season and struggling this season as well. So they made I think he made the right move there. It's listen, it's gonna be a tough team. They're gonna execute like efficiently. They're gonna do what they need to do, but it's just not gonna be they just don't have the players this year. Like they've kind of had this dip the last three or four years where Big Ten West title regression big 10 west title regression and we're kind of in the valley right now so they're going to come out they're going to be stout you got to be on your p's and your q's you can't just sleepwalk through a pat fitzgerald team ever but i think if michigan just comes out there and executes they're going to handle them by the third quarter i i just don't see a way they're they're going to be able to score to keep up with us you yeah. know i mean against our defense with limited weapons on offense i mean they want to run the ball with hole who has 645 rushing yards this year i mean he's on pace for over a thousand but he hasn't run the ball as well against better teams. They've been able to bottle him up. I think we'll be able to bottle him up. And I just don't see a world where they're scoring 20 points in this game. You know, this is a perfect game to come out of a bye week because you can't, Jason, you can't be asleep for it because they're going to be ready. They're going to come to Michigan, just ready for very upset minded. Their season is still ahead of them. They can make sure. a run here. They'll they got some bowl. Yeah, exactly. Got some momentum coming off last week. And Fitzgerald's just too good of a coach. Like you and I have long said, we think he's the best coach in the Big Ten with what he does, with what he's provided every year. It's, it'll be a dogfight for a little bit. Expect like 7 nothing first quarter, maybe 14 nothing at half. And then it just kind of just overwhelms them as time goes on. You think we'll ever, we'll ever, we'll ever trail in this one? No, I don't. I, I, just, I, don't, I don't think so either. It's it's at home, first home game since NIU. They'll be jacked up with the crowd, back on the field, ready to hit somebody. So I think we're going to pound the rock early and often, maybe a deep shot to start the game off. So, no, I think – you want to do predictions? Yeah. Well, uh, first, the, the spread is 21 and a half. What 21 and a half. Yeah. I'm, what do you got against the spread? I wouldn't bet it because Pat Fitzgerald just makes me nervous, but I do think Michigan covers the spread. I think Michigan wins 38 to six. Yes, uh, I agree. I would probably stay away out of respect for Pat Fitzgerald. I'm not going to bet this one. That's a big spread, but if I were going to lean it and you want to keep uh, betting Michigan, you've been riding them this year. This feels like a better ride than the Nebraska one, um, which we said to cover and we, we ended up being wrong on. So I don't want to steer you wrong two weeks in a row, but I would lean the cover. But I do think Michigan is going to just handle this one. Uh, Won't be too much of a contest. I'll say they'll put up 10, but I've got it at 41 to 10. I mean, I think it is going to be a big victory. I I think that eventually we're going to we're going to be running probably Donovan Edwards and some other guys later in this game if I had to predict. But you never know with Patty Fitzgerald. 
Yeah, it's, they, they can come out and it could be a dog fight down to the fourth quarter, a few couple drives, and, you know, whatever gets you ready for Michigan State it's all that matters to me. I agree. Players of the game? Players of the game. I think we're going to see a big Blake Corum game. I think Corum is real. It's been a while since he's just really gone off. So I think that's coming for Corum. And defensively, I think they want to run the ball. So let's go with Nikai Hill Green. Kid was just baptized this week. Good for him, making his life decisions. And I think he's going to have a big game and stopping the run. The Lord's on his side. Yeah, he has Jesus with him now. You thought he was good before? Yeah. Look out. I like those (laughs) answers. Uh, I picked Corum last week, and he had a great game, but it was just overshadowed by the Haskins hurdle. So uh, I'm going to ride Corum again. I think he's due. I think that in this, uh, if you get past their their first line of defense, he's going to be so much more athletic than their linebackers and their secondary that he'll probably be gone. So I'm thinking he'll break one in this one. Uh, I also do have a, a feeling that we're due for a special teams play. I, I, I don't know what it is about like this it. game. I think it might be a, a Henning. You know, we had a rough game against Nebraska, so maybe a, a Henning revival or a block punt. I could see that. Uh, but on defense, I like where your head's at. Am I allowed to pick Hutchinson, or is that still not a, still illegal? Still off the table. You can still, do that. still illegal. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, all right, then, uh, then let's go Dax Hill. I like I, it. I haven't picked him yet this year, and that's kind of dumb. He's become a playmaker. Like, we – we keep trying to get too cute with this. I'm trying to move away from being cute. I think it's going to be another big Dax Hill game. Well, it's it's just so easy to pick Dax or a like player like Brad Hawkins who comes up with fourth down stops and season changing turnovers. It's true. Well, I'm going to start picking these guys, and I want to be right. <laughs> I know. So it'll be we'll we'll probably take some chances come Michigan State week. Maybe get a little more creative there. But yeah, this week let's not overthink it. Like it's going to be a bread and butter kind of game. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And a perfect warm up for Michigan State. And man, I guess we can kind of touch on it. Like that is going to be, I mean, what are we going to do? Three hours? Three hours of just, I mean, an hour of heavy breathing. The full Lincoln? We're going to get the full Lincoln? <laughs> We're going whatever. What's the length of the Lincoln? I think that's three hours. That's Steven at least one hour. Classic Lincoln. Yeah, that's a three yeah. hour. So we're going to match Lincoln. I'm going to put it on in the background. So yeah, we'll, we'll do the full Lincoln pod. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I. I I can't wait, man. I'm so excited for the Michigan State Dude. game. And it's at noon. I'm Dude, so happy. I know. I was telling you off air, I invited like my best friend to come hang out that day, not thinking. Uh, and I was like, man, if this is a night game, like he's not going to be cool with us just like giving up our Halloween night to go watch football that he doesn't care at all about. So they saved me with that. And, you know, the poll going around and everybody uh, on Twitter saying, oh, I can't believe it's a, it's a noon game. You've got these top ranked teams. Why on earth would you want that at any other time but noon? No, this this is when God intended football to be played. Like, get it through your head. This is a reason why Michigan-Ohio State will never be changed. This is the perfect time for a game. Allows you to have the rest of your day. Writers, you know, get stuff done. We can go out and enjoy evenings with our girlfriends after we've been in quarantine for two weeks. Like, life happens outside of it. It doesn't give the big advantage. It's just nice and even. It's just noon is perfect. I will say this, though, if uh, during the Harbaugh era, Michigan and Ohio State played first game of the year under the lights and they just did home and home, how, what would Harbaugh's record against Ohio State be? We win in 16. We probably win oh, 17. You get health. You're healthy. Um, yep. pr- maybe five. Two. It's two or three. 
Yeah, I think I think saying. two two and a half the over under. I know because Ohio State always is so much more susceptible at the beginning of the season, and we get on a roll at the beginning of the season. So as much as that's like sacred territory, it would benefit us so much to do that. Well, it's really nice about having a strong run game, and Ohio State might have the worst linebackers in the Big Ten. So I'm just it's, hey, look, it's I'm never too it early. Hey, never too early. We have Corum and Hutchinson. We got a chance in any game. We have Hask don't you and Haskins. You put and him in Haskins. there. I know. I understand. I, I get it. I understand. I'm skipping Thanksgiving with my family so we can go to this weekend together. <laughs> <laughs> I got a divorce so that I can watch this game. Well, it, it, was that and, it was that and some other things, but <laughs> some other things. But yes, Michigan football, very prevalent in my, <laughs> in my decisions. <laughs> oh man. All right. That's a good time to call it. That's gonna do it for us here on Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Amazing Brew. You can follow me on Twitter if you want at JStorm303. I mostly just yell at people with wrong opinions. Uh, Andy, you can throw yours out there uh, if you want. Uh, UM Andrew B. You can find me. I just tweet gifts and some nonsense. It's all very positive on there. Just, you know, don't really take it too serious. So, yeah, you're, you like you're- Michigan football and have fun, you know? You're, you're much better at Twitter than me. I see someone say it's time to bench Cade Mack when we're 5-0, and and I'm like, here's the reasons why you're an idiot. <laughs> here's the reasons why your mom should have never had you. <laughs> How's your mom's pill addiction? <laughs> just goes, just goes in go a way, dark hole. I go way too dark with it. <laughs> oh, man. All right, brother. Good pod. I cannot wait for next week, man. Uh, and let's go blue. Go blue.